Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Susan Tendi. And I am Nika Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Good afternoon, depending on where you are. We would like to welcome you to the second session of the day at the African Family Business Conference being hosted by African Family Firms. My name is Sitim Tindi and I am a co-founder of African Family Firms. And in this session, we have with us Suleiman Yahaya and he is from Anderson. He's an associate director there. He's going to be sharing with us about the importance of family governance and wealth succession. Welcome, Suleiman. Thank you very much, um, Cici, and um, thanks to African Family Firms for this opportunity. Um, uh, this is uh, much appreciated. Um, just a bit of background about myself. Uh, my name is Suleiman Yahya. And, um, I work in the private client and uh, family unit, uh, family wealth unit of um, Anderson. Um, well, I've had um, about um, 13 years um, professional experience, um, and I've done a couple of things uh, in, in those 13 years. Um, I've worked on the corporate tax um, side of um, advisory. I've done um, uh, supported my clients on um, a number of corporate tax um, work, um, M&A work, and um, you know, compliance work you know, across uh, multiple industries. Um, I've done a bit of transfer pricing, um, advise multinational enterprises, um, you know, in terms of looking at their cross-border uh, related party transactions. And um, <clears throat> my current role, um, I support the team, uh, you know, to service uh, family businesses in Nigeria and um, across the region. Um, basically, um, so this morning, we'll just be um, talking very quickly about, um, you know, the role of family governance in um, wealth succession. I know that um, those two topics, both in terms of um, family governance and um, wealth succession, you know, are topics that have been um, widely debated and uh, topics that are very wide and deep. So this morning, what I'll be doing is just to attempt to, um, in the next couple of minutes, um, to just share my perspective on the, so, uh, and contribute to the conversations that um, you know that we have, and um, basically try to see um, you know why uh, you know a lot of family businesses have not been able to you know transcend beyond multiple generations, and um, just see what you know the critical elements um, will be that uh, family businesses should consider as they evolve in their governance structures and, um, and um, transition, world transition. So thanks once again to Nike and Sisi uh, for this um, opportunity. And um, just, sorry, it's up here. I'm trying to move to the next slide. It looks like yes. the screen is frozen. Is it frozen on your end? I think so. Can you try to um, probably start the reshare again? Okay, let me just um, apologize about that. Let me just stop and reshare. No problem. Okay, I think uh, it's okay now. Okay, so um, basically, um, what, what, what I've 
tried to oops. okay sorry let me just reshare just one second i can see that okay so um sorry about the the short um, breakup so basically what um what this slide just tries to show is just to try and show um you know some of the you know complexities around um, wealth um, you know wealth succession you know obviously on the first line you know we see we see time and um, essentially what we're saying is you know as you move from gen one generation to the other what what happens is then is that you then begin to see you know increase in the population of the family you know you then move from either the patriarch or the matriarch to the first generation the second generation and um, you know the third generation and um, and you know it keeps going but in the midst of all of that you know with the increase in family population comes with um, generational diversity right and um, as the family begins to expand uh, you then begin to have different diversity and complexity within the family both in terms of education in terms of um, exposure and all of that and then the, the, the dynamics of the family then begins to um, change from when it was just uh, perhaps maybe the patriarch and just the second generation. And um, you also begin to see that, um, you know, because the family is expanding, if you then look at the income per head, you know, for each of the family members, you then see that um, chances are that, you know, they may also start um, to, to, to decline. And uh, again, because of uh, the, the generational diversity, um, unity and cohesion among the family members might um, also then begin to um, get threatened. And then um, all of these then work together uh, to then begin to create a different uh, mix, you know, in in, in in the family in the family business. And perhaps this kind of uh, explains why uh, you know the. Family Firm Institute uh, came up with this study, and, and I, I think this is quite—it's um, more or less uh, popular around uh, the family business and family governance. To say, you know, only about thirty percent of family businesses will survive into the second generation, right? And of those thirty percent, only about twenty twelve percent um, will be able to uh, go into the third generation, and. <coughs> Out of this again, just about three percent, you know, will make it to the fourth um, generation, and um, quite a number of reasons, you know, can be adduced for some of the things that um, you know the Family Firm Institute has put out. But you know, just just uh, a bit of um, Nigerian context to 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 this research topic, um, you know, we are aware of um, a study, you know, that was also done on, um, on Nigerian businesses, and uh, you know. If you're familiar with Nigeria, you realize that most of the prominent businesses in the 70s and 80s um, today are more or less nowhere to be found, right? And the question then is what happened? You know, but in that study, it was really found, it was found that only one of these companies, you know, transited up to the third generations. And then as we understand it, you know, the transition uh, was more or less by accident because um, it wasn't as if um, you know careful uh, plan was put in place to ensure that you know the wealth um, transited beyond uh, the first and um, second generation. And this perhaps then takes us to um, this proverbial 
you know, statements about shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves um, in, in, in three generations. And uh, this, this kind of um, captures the life cycle of, of, of the family business over three generations, you know, also trying to look at the specific characteristics, you know, around each of the generations. And then um, basically um, what this is saying is that, you know, with the, with the first generation, which is the patriarch or the matriarch, Right, all of these people are the wealth builders of the family, and by the time you know it, it, it transits to the second generation, right, the second generation is more interested in sustaining you know the, the wealth of the family, so they try to maintain uh, the, the, the level of wealth that has been generated by 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 their parents. And when you then get into the third generation, with them um, involved, the cousin and all of that, we then begin to see a decline, right, in, um, in, in, in the fortunes of the family. And perhaps this kind of explains um, what we talked about, you know, even with respect to Nigerian businesses and all of that. Um, so perhaps um, just to... Uh, try to put, you know, some of the futures that we see around um, these, these generations, you know, like I mentioned earlier, with, with, with the first generation, right, these are the original wealth builders of the family, right, uh, these are people that feel that, uh, you know, they then need to create the wealth, uh, perhaps people that started, um, you know, concept from the beginning, you know, started business afresh, invested in across um, a number of jurisdictions and a number of industries and all of that. And with those people, um, you know, their main objective is to ensure that, you know, they pass on this, uh, this, this, this wealth to the succeeding generations. And on to the second generation, right? Um, this, for the most part, are, are, are direct children of the founders of these family businesses. And uh, Interestingly, you know, for, for, for a lot of the clients that, um, that we work for, uh, most of the guys that we work for are in this uh, bucket, in the second generation. And when you have conversations with these people, you know, they are interested in making sure that, you know, they put in place the proper structure. They are interested in making sure that, you know, they, they grow the wealth of the family and also make sure that they pass the button over to succeeding generations. So, Essentially, for the most part, the second generations are more or less preoccupied with trying to ensure that they sustain um, the wealth of the family. But, the, but the, the complexities of the third generation kind of um, makes it a bit or a lot more different uh, from the first and the second generation, you know, because these are people that, um, you know, will most likely, um, you know, were, were more or less born into this world. Um, these are people that... Um, you know, most times, um, you know, like uh, some literatures will put them out, our wealth diffusers, right? Um, you know, they, they just come, um, quite a number of them, um, you know, with different um, complexities. The family is already large. You know, uh, you have your cousins, your spouses, in-laws, and all of that. So by the time you have um, all of this um, set of people, you know, in the mix, it then kind of makes, um, you know, uh, cohesion in the in the family a bit a bit um, a bit uh, uh, difficult. So what what we we'll just try to do, and um, again, this is not um, exhaustive. Uh, it's just to then share to see um, where we seeing 
um, you know, this kind of, um, of failure of successions, you know, among a lot of family businesses? What has happened? You know, what are the what are the things that um, you know have been attributed to the inability of families to move beyond um, you know that second generation into and do well at the at the at the at the, at the third generation? And some of some of the reasons again, this is not exhaustive, you know, but is is the is the view by a lot of family businesses to to look at um, family wealth preservation as um, an accumulation of um, of financial capital. But again, we do know that um, financial capital is important, but it's just one aspect, you know, of the capital of the family businesses. Equally, you have your the human and intellectual capital which are, are very important, even if not more important than the financial capital, because again, um, with financial capital, as has been seen over time, uh, financial capital might last you maybe uh, if you're doing well for a generation, um, but with um, human, human capital, um, you realize that uh, you're able to um, you know, build that uh, wealth and sustain it you know, beyond um, one one generation so there's that over concentration on the on, on the financial capital of the business um, which is which in itself is not it's not a, a, a bad thing but when you then neglect the human and intellectual capital uh, you then stand the risk of um, maybe going out of business in just one generation uh, because you know the, the, the necessary ingredients that are required to ensure that that transition happened, which is the human and intellectual capital, it's more or less, um, you know, neglect, ne neglected. So these are some of the, uh, one of the reasons. Um, also, you know, is this perception that um, wealth preservation, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's static, right? Um, but the reality is, is that, you know, for you to have um, this wealth, you know, transit beyond generations, each of the generations, you know, must see itself as the first generation and then look at what made, you know, the first generation successful. How was the first generation able to build this world, right? And then, you know, imbibe some of those, um, some of those features and attributes of, of, um, of the first generation, you know. Now, other issues also, it's, um, you know, the tendency for, for, for family businesses to look at uh, wealth preservations uh, purely from a quantitative um, quantitative uh, side of it, you know, um, usually you realize that um, family businesses will want to monitor their balance sheets. They will want to uh, monitor their profits or loss, how well the business is doing, and all of that. And that is that is good, you know. But you know, there has to be a form of measuring those qualitative um, capital as well, and then. Without this assessment of the human and intellectual capital to then see whether they are growing together with the financial um, capital, then um, you know it, that might then not lead to you know a sustainable a sustainable business and issues such as um, you know how well the family members are doing you know when you have representatives to discuss certain issues you know how well are they meeting those objectives and all of that becomes um, quite important in, in, in this regard. You know, um, another reason also could be that um, the fact that or the, the, the inability of family businesses to realize that 
um, wealth preservation is actually um, a very long-term project and it's extremely um, hard work that um, has to be done. Um, I mean, this popular saying, that, um, without pain, you, know, you, you will not um, enjoy the benefits of, of, um, of any, uh, any project. So really and truly, um, you know, the process of um, ensuring you know, that wealth preservation, it's actually a very hard work that has to be done. And it's a process that um, once you put, 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 put in place, um, you know, it's not a process that has to be abandoned halfway. Um, you, know, you then need to follow through to ensure implementation and, uh, you know, ensure the success of the business um, over a, a period of time. I, I, and it's not, you know, it's, it's not a, a, a it's not a, a a, a dash, it's not a hundred meter dash, right? It's, it's a marathon, so it's something that needs to continue, and then you keep going at it. And with every generation that comes and takes part in uh, in, in the business, you know, you need to then keep um, keep looking at it, uh, keep investing in that process to ensure that you know you 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 achieve um, you achieve the, the, uh, the objectives of, of, of the family business and. I was reading an article sometime that um, more, more or less tried to emphasize, um, explain this, and you know, it kind of likened this to 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 um, you know a tree plantation. You know, a tree that perhaps takes about 100, 150, and 50 years to to, to fully grow. You know, it, it, it's very unlikely that um, you know the person that planted the tree will see it to to maturity, and that's how family governance is. Um, you need to start now. Um, the, the likelihood that um, you know the founder will live to witness the business hundred years, one fifty years down the line um, is very unlikely. But again, it's something that um, you know needs to happen, and um, you know keep pushing at it. And also, the, and um, the, the last in this is, is it's about you know the, the history of the family. You know. Um, with studies, you know, we have seen that, you know, at about the third generation, um, you know, things begin to die, entropy begins to set in and all of that. And then it's important that, you know, with, with, with family businesses, you know, the younger generations, um, the next gen, are more or less told the history of the family, the values of the family, you know, so that that can uh, more or less serve to motivate them and get them to act, you know, and get them to release the energy they have in them, and then um, contribute, um, you know, positively to 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 the business, to the family business. So um, these are some of the reasons um, that have been adduced to, you know, uh, why we've not seen, um, you know, long um, transition um, in family businesses. But in terms of um, for a family business that um, is trying to ensure that you know it preserves its 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 wealth, you know, um, you know what what should you be thinking about? You know, what 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 are those philosophies? What should you have at the back of back of its mind? And one very key key thing that uh, family businesses need to be aware of is that the preservation of the family wealth it's largely a question of human behavior, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's how well, you know, the family is able to galvanize its human um, and intellectual capital. And um, that experience has shown that, you know, how well you do with respect to your financial capital, it's more or less dependent on the quality of your human and intellectual capital. Because these are the, the, the resources that more or less drive 
you know, the, the financial capital that takes the decision, make sure that the proper decisions are taken and, and, um, and, and all of that. So um, if, you, if you're thinking about, you know, long-term preservation of your wealth, um, you need to really think about it. In, in, uh, you need to also look at it, not just from the point of view of the financial capital, but largely, you know, um, at, at, at a human, at a human uh, behavior. But you also need to have at the back of your mind that wealth preservation, it's also a dynamic process, right, that must be successfully re-energized in its successive generations. Um, you know, I did talk about this, that, um, you know, every, every, every generation must see itself as, as, as a first generation. And because the realities of each of the generation will differ, but in terms of the vision, the value, and, and, um, and the, the ethics, you know, that's, that characterize the first generation will most likely still uh, be similar. So um, each generation then needs to um, really um, focus on seeing that, you know, they also create, um, you know, wealth. You also need to look at it to say, and this ties to the first point, to say that the, the greatest asset that um, the family has, it's actually its, um, its members, not uh, so much in terms of um, the fiscal assets and all of that, but the people, the family members, you know, are the greatest assets of a family business. And therefore, um, it then just makes sense for the family to then uh, devote proper time to ensure that uh, you know the family, the needs of the family members um, are, are, are taken care of. So um, you know we've talked about uh, you, you know the, the 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 human capital and the intellectual capital, and basically the human capital refers to the people in the family and um, the intellectual capital, which um, it's about the most important. Um, you know focuses on you know. The, more or less the intellectual property of each of the family members, their knowledge, their experiences, you know, um, what they've done, what, what they know and all of that. Because that's, again, what you then bring back to the business um, to, to contribute to, to, to um, ensuring uh, progress of, of, of the business. Yeah, so um, one, what we've done here is just um, to, to then say, Okay, in in, try, in in creating um, you know a family governance framework you know that will more or less address some of the issues that uh, we've talked about um, you know this kind of um, it's a typical model that um, you know uh, family family businesses can consider and again in, in designing a governance process for um, for the family business um, it needs to be noted that each of the family needs to be looked at based on its own unique circumstances. Um, it's, it might be it might not be entirely appropriate, you know, to just use a blanket model. But again, these are guiding principles that uh, perhaps, you know, take care of some of the fundamental issues and the peculiarities of each of the families can be looked at um, as you work with that particular family. So basically, there are about um, five buckets here. You have the family constitution, you have your family assembly, you have the family council, you have the family office and the business and the family business itself. And each of these five um, separate um, entities more or less um, interact, you know, with one another to ensure, um, you know, the wealth preservation. Uh, so with the family assembly, right, the family assembly basically um, can be more or less likened to 
you know the your uh, your annual general meetings you know where every member of the family um, who has a stake or interest in the family business comes and sit down together um, to discuss issues that um, relate um, you know to the family business usually um, this family assembly will be more or less the highest organ of the family business where um, decisions critical decisions you know are taken now because of uh, the process you know of um, reaching decisions uh, sometimes it might not be um, entirely convenient to gather all the family members at the same time to take ongoing decisions you know um, you could have the family council um, which is more or less a, a, a uh, which can serve quite a number of purposes really and truly depending on them on them what you know uh, the, the 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 peculiarities of the family, and uh, this can include it may or may not include the founder. Uh, you will have select uh, members of the of the family to join family council, and this family council will largely be responsible for taking decisions, day to day decisions. You know, as it affects the family businesses, and of course, you know they will have to report back to the family assembly. Uh, on progress that um, you know that they've made in terms of the responsibilities that have been assigned to them, but in addition to all of this, right, um, it's usually important and very key for the family to consider having its constitution in place, right? And with the family constitution, more or less, um, it's 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 a rule book for how um, each member of the family will conduct itself. It's been, it's just, it's just, just look at it like, um, like a constitution of a, of a country, right? Just spells out the rule, um, spells out um, who goes into the family councils, um, contains the family mission uh, statement, you know, and and just general issues around how the family businesses and the organs of the family business uh, will run. Uh, some, depending on the size of the family business as well, you could also have the family office which um, will sometimes or most times be supervised by the family council um, that will more or less be responsible for managing the financial capital of the family business. So basically with, uh, with, with this kind of structure, um, depending on how you, know, you, you look at it, uh, but what's important is to ensure that within this structure, all of the key elements that allows for effective transition of family businesses are taken are taken care of and then catered for, you know, in whatever structure that um, is going to be is going to be uh, developed. And because of the importance of um, the, the human and intellectual capital, um, what we just done here is just to highlight specifically some of the some of the things that we that we think family businesses can consider in ensuring that um, you know. They, they, we have um, a very, very strong um, human capital. And one of it is that the business, the family business must ensure that the basic requirements of um, each family, it's met. Um, of course, um, this goes into the food, their shelter, their shelter and all of that. Um, and of course, um, where there are medical needs and all of that, you know, that, um, you know, the family business should have a way of catering you know, to needs of, um, of every family member. It's also to ensure that, um, you know, 
uh, every family member understands, you know, the, the highest educational limit possible for that member. Um, you know, how is the family governance system set up and then what's the role of that family member in the entire structure? Because again, once all of these systems are clearly defined and then everybody is aware of what's to be done, then the likelihood of conflict then may be minimized, um, you know, within, within, within that setup. Also, it, um, you know, uh, the family can stretch the fiscal capacities of each family to achieve uh, members' maximum well-being. Of course, um, you know, there, there could be various needs that could be looked at um, for the family members and then um, accommodated. The, the focus is to ensure that, um, you know, each of those family uh, members, you know, their well-being is, is being taken care of because, again, in the end, that's the ultimate um, objective of, of, of the family business. Now, with respect to the intellectual cap capital, which more or less drives uh, the, the family business, you know, um, there has to be a system, you know, that allows for collection and uh, dissemination of the accumulated knowledge of all family members. And, um, you know, when I did talk about the, the family assembly, you know, um, again, it's, it's just a framework, but what you make all of those bodies do for you, you know, depend on the need of, um, of, of those particular family businesses. But above all, you know, uh, there has to be experience sharing. There has to be knowledge sharing, you know, among um, the, the family business. The family should also provide clear information on all family governance matters to all family members at the highest level. You know, so um, it has to be the case that, um, you know, every family member needs to feel included in the process. Um, of course, uh, having clearly, you know, uh, identified what each person's roles and responsibility is, um, there still has to be that feeling of um, being part of the business, being part of the process and being um, carry, carried along. Uh, but, but again, um, experience has shown that uh, it's not every family member that will be interested in joining, um, especially in terms of running um, the family business. But um, for the people who have um, achieved the highest with uh, very high intellectual capital, there has to be an incentive system within the governance structure to allow them to join the family business and then contribute to, to, to the progress of the business. You know, and uh, it's very important also uh, for, for, for younger generations to, to know about the business, to know about the family history, to know about the values of the family, to know about the vision of the family, right? And then um, this has to be um, incorporated into the governance structure such that the younger generations will get fired up, you know, and uh, at that point, uh, which will most likely be the third generation, you know, there wouldn't be... Um, the uh, entropy that was setting in terms of um, their roles in the, in the family business. Yeah, so families also need to stretch the intellectual capacity of each members to achieve members' maximum level of learning. So, um, you know, you need to um, look at all their, their needs in terms of education, in terms of health, in terms of welfare, to ensure that um, none of the family business is um, operating sub-optimally. Uh, sub, sub, sub so, um, having said that, um, I think this is the last slide. Um, what, what are the key takeaways that, uh, you know, we, we think that uh, family business should, um, you know, uh, 
be aware of is that one is that when you have um, sticky situations, um, it's always easier to resolve them, you know, in, in an environment of high trust culture. Um, and this will be both within the family and um, the non-family st uh, stakeholders because um, once there is trust, <laughs> then the likelihood that um, you know you're able to resolve issues um, amicably um, increase, it increases, and that um, business decisions will be made, you know, in the best interest of the shareholders and um, and the family as 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 as, as a whole, uh, and. Another uh, key takeaway that um, you know family businesses can take note of is that um, the process of working through issues is also as important as the results. Um, you know, um, there has to be transparency, there has to be honesty, there has to be openness. You know, and that's the way you can you can build trust. <laughs> and once people feel involved, right, um, in terms of you know the, the affairs of, of the business. Um, you know that in itself can be deemed to be progress, and not you, every 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 of these situations do not have to be resolved in in, in favor of um, of everybody at every point in time. But you know that process, that collective process, you know, um, you know can also go a long way in ensuring, <coughs> excuse me, in ensuring that um, you know you have a um, smooth uh, smooth relationship within within the family. You build trust, you know, among the family members, and um, you know that everybody it's, it's able to contribute um, to the family business. You know, we talked about how how much work that is that is that is involved in, in, in family governance. It's it, it's a process, um, but I mean it's important. It's an important process that businesses need to need to do. Um, you know. Again, you need to be willing to discuss those tough topics, um, you know, but those issues must be put on the table at family meetings. Uh, <clears throat> and if, 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 there, if there are difficult issues that have to be discussed, whether, I mean, whatever the issues are, right, um, the, when you put them at the table for discussion, the likelihood that, uh, you know, uh, you will have, you will have, um, resolution to those issues uh you know improves and um, with this uh, there, there are professionals that um, help in facilitating these conversations and um, making sure that you know um, there is consensus building among uh, family among family uh, members now and the, 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 with, with the last point here is that um, the family governance documents um, you know shouldn't just sit on the shelf um, you know these documents need to be uh, seen to be working documents. Uh, the constitution, for instance, needs to be um, a living document. It needs to guide how each organ of the family governance work. It needs to clearly define everybody's role. And with the evolving uh, changes in the dynamics of the business and um, the economy generally, um, it's, it should be something that um, should be tweaked, should be updated, you know, to accommodate um, those new changes. So uh, these are just a few thoughts that uh, that uh, you know I just have to, to share this morning. And um, thanks uh, once again, and um, we'll be happy to just have a conversation again. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Naman. That was really insightful. Um, we have a couple of questions here. Um, what are the common challenges you see families facing 
with respect to governance? So, so I think um, from from uh, you know from my experience with uh, working with families, right? It's um, what I see as the biggest challenge. It's even the uh, the ability of family members to even recognize that there are issues, right? Or they even need to put in together uh, in place this family governance. Um, so, for instance, um, you know, some families will tell you that, hey, we are just at our in the second generation. Um, you know, the patriarch is still here. The matriarch is there. We are a close knit family. There isn't an issue. So, why, um, you know, do we need to do family governance? But the truth is, that is even the right time to put in place proper governance structures when you know the family is still in um, harmonious harmonious state. So, I think that um, the, the challenge, you know, um, especially from this part of the world, is even the recognition that um, you know this governance process needs to be put in place um, again. Perhaps you know it may have some cultural dimension to it. Uh, so at times, some people don't like to you know, put things together, I mean, in, in, in black and white, you know. <clears throat> so uh, there's that kind of um, skepticism to say, oh, you know, we're coming together, formalizing the structure, you know, uh, I mean, what? But you know, if you look at the potential risk that they face down the line, right, it's, it's more advisable that, you know, you clearly define the structures, you clearly identify roles and responsibilities, um, such that, um, you know, as the business progresses and moves to the succeeding generations, you know, there'll be minimal, minimal conflict. Thank you for that answer. The next question is, for those that desire legacy wealth, but find the thought of governance burdensome, bureaucratic and time-consuming, what do you say to them? So I, I think that, um, again, it's all about um, having those conversations, right? And, um, and then finding, like I said, yes, the governance work can be quite burdensome, but um, it's something that it's um, important for them to look at. And then you may then look at abridged ways of, uh, you know, ensuring some of these things to happen. Now, um, clearly, in terms of wealth preservation, um, you know, Beyond how you then hold those of your assets, then you then need to begin to look at those um, holding those assets, right? Um, you may then begin to say, um, rather than entirely leave this business in the hands of the family, do I need to be looking into setting up a trust to hold these assets? Um, do I need to look into um, external uh, consultants to manage this business and then make these family members as beneficiaries? You know. You can then begin to think about some of the models that um, you may then adopt without having necessarily to go through this. But again, if you're thinking about going through, you know, um, uh, 100, 150 years, then um, really and truly, you then need to put some form of structure in place that will ensure that, you know, that um, uh, business continues to transcend. Because again, with whoever you, you bring to the extent that, you know, the founder, is no longer, um, you know, actively involved in the running of the business, then there has to be some form of uh, principles that guide how whoever is going to take over is, you know, will run the business. So, yes, I will say that, um, yes, if you desire legacy, um, you want to leave some sort of legacy, then again, 
you may then to um, look at how you know you're holding some of the investments, how you're managing them, you know, uh, for, for the for the benefit of those uh, those uh, people that you've identified. Thank you. We have another question um, for polygamous families. How would governance look like? Yeah, so um, I think that it's all about um, having conversations. Um, again, you need to bring everybody on the table. Um, you need to you need to find out what's important to to everybody. And uh, you know, with, with family governance will come different complexities, right? So there, there will come uh, polygamy, there will come culture, some who can be religious and all of that. But in all of those kind of complexities, right, um, I think um, having a sit down to discuss them um, will be a very important uh, first step to, to, to moving forward. And again, like, like I did mention, uh, with professionals who can then help to facilitate that kind of conversation, and uh, build consensus among all the family members and try to reach an agreement um, that might uh, might be quite useful for polygamous families. You know, and again, if the patriarch is still alive, uh, perhaps it makes that kind of uh, that kind of conversation easier. But in the event that um, the founders are no more, um, I think with that mentality of um, wanting to make work, understanding the, the vision and uh, values of, of the founder, um, that might uh, also be useful in terms of um, the ability of, you know, all parties to come together and sit down and have that conversation, discuss all the naughty issues, and somehow with, with the professional help, um, you know, they can reach a consensus in terms of um, going forward. And you alluded to the complexities that rise in governance, and um, you mentioned religion. Can you elaborate on that? Okay, so so um, you know from from the African, and I think perhaps this will be more peculiar to uh, Africa. So, um, for instance, you you have um, you have cultural practices, right? That um, you you know kind of naturally have designed how uh, you know governance, uh, more or less how um, succession should work. It's either the first son, um, the first son, or the first daughter, all of this, and then. So, but but again, um, also if if you look at um, religion as well, right? Uh, with religion, also um, you know, so maybe if you then look at um, where you know um, where, where the founder passes, for instance, you know, and then you're trying to look at the estate of the founder and all of that. You know, um, I do know, for instance, that, uh, you know, if you look at the Islamic religion, for instance, there are ways in which um, some of those issues will be handled. So the question then is, how do you then uh, bring, you know, some of those um, strong beliefs and then marry them with governance to ensure that, uh, you know, you still achieve um, succession and then you, there's harmony in the business and then there's continuity. So again, um, you know, notwithstanding some of those uh, peculiar um, uh, challenges, right, um, in terms of our practices here, it's still possible to, again, have a sit down, look at the areas of divergence, and then see how um, those issues can be addressed to ensure that, um, you know, you still have something, something going forward. Okay, and we have one last question here. How you mentioned the importance of conversation a, a number of times. 
How yeah. can families ensure that all voices are heard? So male, female, young, older within the family. Okay, so I think that um, the, the, the family assembly, for instance, provides a very good um, opportunity for that to happen uh, because that will typically be a, a, a coming, the coming together of almost everybody in the family. Um, again, you know, at that, with the family assembly as well, um, it provides or it should ordinarily provide a platform for every family member to table the issues, you know, uh, to be discussed. So I think that, um, you know, family assemblies are very important uh, avenues for families to have conversations. They are also very important avenues for the, for the family to more or less get feedback from either the, the family council or the family office who are managing the assets of the family. And that kind of gives um, everybody a voice to, to make comments about, um, about you know, the, the, the family. So, yes, conversations are important. Um, I think uh, most people think that um, these conversations should happen at one big gathering. But I think those conversations should happen as often as they are necessary. Right, and then um, you know everybody, you know, sh it should be inclusive. It should be, um, it should provide, you know, opportunities to have congruence of um, of views and um, maybe not congruence, but consensus, more more or less, you know, for for, for the family. Thank you so so much once again, Suleiman, for joining us today and for giving us such an amazing presentation. If um, you could just please share your final thoughts uh, for today, as well as just um, let our audience know how they can get hold of you post this presentation. Okay, so so I think that um, with, uh, with 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 Nigerian, well, I, and I speak largely from you know uh, from Nigerian businesses perspective. Um, I think that Nigerian businesses need to. Um, begin to take issues of um, wealth succession much more seriously. Um, you know, there's so much that is happening at the moment. Um, and nobody is sure of anything again, right? Um, people just sleep and um, don't wake up again. The pandemic is ravaging quite um, a number of people, right? So um, for, for, for people that are concerned about, you know, the, the future generations, um, you know, they then need to begin to take this conversation very seriously begin to look at the entire structure of the family businesses, look at the corporate structure, look at how you're holding your assets, look at how efficient you really are in terms of how you're holding your assets, you know. Um, look at all the tax issues around your businesses um, such that your, the value of your hard work is not really eroded. And uh, begin to um, have processes and systems established in our processes in place you know, that will ensure that um, even in the absence or in case they retire or they pass on, um, you know, these sons are in a good place to carry on um, with the legacy of, of the family. Um, so I think that's a key message for, for Nigerian families um, that, um, you know, based on um, our experience and what we're seeing. But beyond that, um, in terms of our contact, um, so... I think that we can be contacted on, um, on um, maybe via our website. So from our website, our contact details are there. But if you want to reach me directly, um, my number is um, 0708-323-7776. And my email is 
at suleiman.yahaya at ng.anderson.com. But in the event that um, we don't get those details, I'm sure Nike has my personal details and uh, we're happy to we're happy to assist as, as much as possible. Wonderful. Thank you once again for joining us today. And for everyone else who's on this call, I would like to invite you to join us at four o'clock. We have three final presentations in our conference to wrap up the four days African Family Business Conference. And we look forward to having you join us this afternoon. All right. And thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you. All right.